podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 52 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast. Where this week we're going to be looking back at a, a busy and exciting week here at Goodison Park and looking ahead to uh, a pivotal week as well coming up um, over the next six or seven days. So the, the, the place we're going to start, lads, and it seems like it was an age ago and it was only a few days, um, was a really, really important game for us at Goodison Park. And it was the, the visit of Leicester, a side who stayed in the table. Um, another game which we had said it's it's vitally important if we've got European aspirations we need to need to beat Leicester no reason why we couldn't and, and we and we came away with the uh, with a two one win but it wasn't it wasn't totally plain sailing was it Pete? No, absolutely not. Um, we were saying on the the pod last week, weren't we, that Leicester were a bit out of sorts going into the game and I think we all hoped we'd get the win that that we ended up with, but. Um, I thought they played really well for long spells of the game. And I think really, although it was a great team performance, it sort of took the uh, the know-how of Carlo Ancelotti, didn't it, to make a couple of changes, probably two really key um, parts of the game to help us get the win over the line. Lee, yeah. what, are, what, are, what are your thoughts? Because obviously the, the, the game, we, we started pretty, pretty well, didn't we? we? We went ahead, got a couple of goals ahead and we looked, we looked, Fairly sharp, um, so things were looking quite rosy early on, weren't they? Yeah, very much so. It was actually nice to start a game, you know, with a real intensity to us, uh, and we did, you know, get a couple of goals. We got our first penalty of the season, unbelievable. Although it took them about fifteen minutes on VAR to figure out he handballed it. Um, someone put a montage together about about I think it was like seven or eight of our penalty shouts this season that should have should have been given, and some of them are absolute shockers, aren't they? Um, but in fairness, look, we started the game really, really strong. One word I would use is retribution. If you remember, we get—I I thought we played pretty well at their gaff when they were when they were flying earlier on in the season. I think we were one up if I remember rightly, and then um, you know we were sort of like defending, you know, uh, last last twenty. And then uh, they got it. Ian Nacho scored that goal that was initially given offside, wasn't it? And then obviously VAR disallowed it, and it was absolutely gut wrenching at the time. But that's that game for me is quite a parallel to give an example of this home game because as soon as Richarlison went off injured, we obviously was defending like the Alamo. I know we let Leicester have a lot of the ball, but um, you know we were really backs against the wall, and it did feel like how are we going to see this out here? There's 30 minutes to go. How, how the hell are we going to see it out? And Carlo made a few changes, and we just as soon as he made those changes, we just completely shut the door, didn't we? I mean, you, you mentioned you mentioned the Charles, and there obviously he, he went off, you know, pretty, pretty in the second half. To be honest, uh, and it, it wasn't a great tackle. To be fair, it, it looked pretty innocuous at the time, but looking back, it wasn't a great tackle. And he was lucky to get away with with just a bit of a knock. He, he's been back to and he's going to be fit for the Tottenham game, which is good news for us. But obviously, he scored um, the first goal of the game. And the, the the great thing about it for me, Andrew Charleston in general, I've always said he, he plays his best football when he's he's up front, when he's coming into the box, 
you know, central. People always say, oh, you know, put him on the right or the left. No, for me, he, he's great playing, playing in the middle with, uh, with Calvert-Lewin. But great bit of work, wasn't it? You know, lovely little uh, cushion header inside from Luca Dean. Great first touch from Anthony Gordon. And a first assist as well for Anthony Gordon. You know, for a, a young kid who's we've, we've got real high hopes for, you know, and he, he picked up the pace of that game and had a bit more time against Leicester than he did when we played Liverpool at, uh, at Goodison a, a, you know, a week, or, week or two earlier, Pete. Lovely knock across the box, wasn't it? On his left peg. Not even Lee missed that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be too sure, you know. I wouldn't be too sure. He wouldn't be ghosting in late there. There's no way he'd be on the halfway line. No, I was famous. I was famous for my late runs. Leave that alone. <laughs> what, 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 what I wanted to say, though, how good was that header from Luca Dean, by the way? it's pinged that to him, and yeah. he couldn't bring it on his chest because obviously it was too high. First time header, out, sort of outside of his head, like a bit, a, yeah, a bit, yeah. a bit of swaz on it, and then uh, put it into put it into the young lad's path perfectly, didn't he? So I was really impressed with, with Anthony Gordon in that game because I know we we mentioned the derby, didn't we? And what a difficult task he had um, on that left-hand side, how much he had to defend and how little time he had on the ball. Um, but I thought he was brilliant against, uh, you know, up against, um, who was the right-back for Leicester in that game? Wait there, please, I'll double-check the line-up for you. It was the guy, it was, guy oh, it was, Ferreira, yeah, James it? Justin, James Justin. Yeah, yeah. Was he from Luton, was he? Got him from Luton in the, uh, in the summer. Uh, but he's a quick, quick lad, isn't he? And he, he, he did well, he did well against the Matty Gordon. Yeah, no, I thought he was brilliant. I thought he had a, a, a really solid game. Great defensively, got back into shape. Pulled into the middle a couple of times as well, didn't he? And I thought he gave him problems there. So I think he's showing that he's not only a, a technical player, but he's, he's he's got a bit of intelligence about him as well, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah, and, and, yeah and he's quite two-footed two as well, isn't he? Shall I? He's got... He's- He's gonna cause he's gonna cause I think a bit of damage as he obviously gets more and more time and Carlo seems impressed by him um, and by his attitude and training as well which is is more important. Uh, but you mentioned Lee as well. Obviously we got a, our first pen of the season there um, and it's you no know, surprising every citizen stepped up and, and took the penalty after you know a, a few issues with him taking penalties over the last sort of eighteen months or so. But Talk about talk about cool. Um, he didn't even look at the ball when he hit it for one. Um, now uh, someone put a good tweet out there at the, at the time. If the ground was full of forty thousand fans, there's no way Guilfi Sigurdsson would dare not look at that ball and just roll it down the middle of the goal because he, he wouldn't do it, would he? You know, clearly the um, the pressure was off there, and the, you know it was good to see Guilfi get a goal, wasn't it? I know it was a penalty, but he's come back. I think. Since we've returned, and he, he, he's looked a little bit like his old self for me. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, he was dropped for the first game when he came on as a sub in the derby, and I thought he did all right when he came on. Um, I think this uh, we've we've talked about this briefly on on, on the other pod. I, I think there's certain players that actually will thrive under this sort of you know non-crowd environment because unfortunately, Gilfie is one of the ones, isn't he, that does get absolutely hounded. Davis is another. Um, and he seems to be playing with a little bit more freedom again. Um, I mean, we are massively light in midfield. But um, I thought Gilfie on the whole had a half-decent game. And going back to the way the penalty, I mean, you're instantly thinking, what was it, United have had 17 pens this season? That was our first one, which is yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah. But he took it nonchalantly. Um, took it with a, you know, 
all the confidence of someone who you think would have scored double figures a season. He's nowhere near that. Um, but, you know, 2-0, you're thinking, brilliant. And then if we could get a third, I think you text Mike the group saying, we get a third here while we're on top and it's finished. But obviously 2-0, 2-0 is one of those leads, isn't it? I thought Leicester, you know, after that, seemed to settle pretty well. And they started whipping in, wasn't it something like a stupid stat? Like they put about 12 crosses in, in the first half, didn't they? All Brighton must have put and, half of them. Yeah. I think that was part of the plan with with um, with Carlo. Anyway, almost kind of let, let you guys have it wide. You just whip it in all you want. Michael Keane will head everything. Um, and it's important to mention that for Keane, because I know he got man of the match on Sky, but I thought Keane, again, was absolutely outstanding. Um, obviously, again, as we've said before, it suits him playing that sort of deep-line defence. But he was absolutely class, wasn't he? Absolutely class. He's, he's come back. He's come back, hasn't he? And we, we've praised Keane and Holgate the two of them since since Bors returned. And another player who is, you know, probably reacted better because there's no crowd there. He, he's quite a nervy player at times. And obviously, when the crowd gets on his back, he, he seems to struggle. And he's mentioned his struggles as well, obviously, his, 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 uh, his personal battles as well and the issues that he's had. Um, but Michael Keane, again, you know, exceptional. And like you say, first half, especially when all these uh, crosses were coming in, Michael Keane and Holgate were there, every single one away. They weren't getting anywhere near. Um, but obviously then, second half, Leicester get get the, the goal pretty early. You know, total total fluke. You know, Holgate has uh, smashed the ball against Ian Atchill and it's gone in. You, you may be looking there for your, for your goalkeeper to, to clear things out. Um, didn't happen. I don't want to lay, lay the blame of Pickford's door for the goal, but by the way, but do, do, you know, you, do need you guys think Holgate's at fault there? Sorry, mate. I, I, some people have uh, thought he wasn't in a great position. I know it was an absolute fluke the way it went in, but he, his body shape wasn't great, wasn't he? And he, he sort of got he sort of ricocheting around the box a little bit, wasn't it? And he, he, he sort of wasn't in the best position to clear it, was he? I mean, it, it, as a centre half, it's not the type of clearance you want to make, is it? Low across your own box. Um, I mean, he's just put his foot through it. I think I think he knows where he should be putting that ball. It should either be over the top of the goal or high into the stands. But, you know, what can you but do? He's, the, the, when, when the ball first comes in and goes towards the goal, it nicked, didn't it? Which sort of put everyone off, off balance, if you like. And they, they thought the shot was going to go a different way and it didn't do. And then obviously he's had to adjust. He's just turned and, and he's just started to, to smash the ball away. And unlucky for him, Ian Acho's just, just too close to... Um, to him, and and then obviously the the goal goes in, and we were sort of then for you know ten minutes or we were we were up against it. But like you alluded to earlier on, Lee, you know Carlo Ancelotti hasn't won what he's won and done what he's done, done in football without having a plan B and a plan C, etc. And he changed things up. Uh, obviously, Richardson got injured, which which forced a change there. But you know, we, we we saw Tom Davis come on a bit later. Yeah, Mina came on to to show things. Um, and and I think if Carlo Ancelotti isn't our manager, we don't win the game. To be honest, we don't see the game out because we know how, how poor at times our game mind has been. So I think Carlo needs to take a lot of plaudits there for for basically adjusting us because once he made those changes, Leicester had no space to do what they wanted to do. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I'd akin the game too. Do you remember when we went to Newcastle and we started really well there? And I think I think we went two 0 up in that game, didn't we? And it was two 0 at half time, and then obviously the, you know they got they got an early goal second half, and 
through it and obviously we caved in and loads of people then were jumping on it and I think we even mentioned at the time saying where's the lack of leadership what Carlo did there um, I think you know classic Italian Italian style football isn't it the guy's been there seen it done it and he, he brought on Mina uh, he brought on Davis to try and nullify the space that Madison was getting uh, I thought Davis did alright when he came on to be fair Um and he effectively just shut the game down. I mean, you're instantly thinking, oh, three at the back here, what's going to go on? Um, but I can't even recall them having a chance after that, other than when Pickford nearly threw it into his own net. <laughs> I was going to bring that one up. But it was, yeah, that was, that was poor. You know, some, it was so simple. I know, I know Keane was pretty close to, to Pickford at the time. But I, I, you know, you can hear, obviously, the, the noise in the stadium now anyway, and you could quite clearly hear Pickford call for it. So that was that was no problem, um, you know. So as a defender, you know, go out of the way, and I don't even know even know how he's done that. I don't even know how he's managed to get the ball to go back towards his own goal. And and luckily, Michael Keane, you know, with the, the pace that he, you know, that he has got, say, uh, he's not 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 the quickest, but he managed just to get back. Because we we were talking centimeters there between it being a goal and not. Um, but Keane's got back. Keane's Keane's got it away and, and got him. Got him out of jail, and and then you know a minute later a cross comes in, Pickford's trying to then sort of show his authority, comes out for a cross, he gets nowhere near it, flaps with the ball and again can pull us in. So you know I, Jordan Pickford's always been one of those discussed him many many times where he can look sensational, and I think we've said since since football's come back Pickford's looked quite assured, quite relaxed, and there's no crowd to play up to, etc. But we, we saw almost the worst of Jordan Pickford there against Leicester. And on another day, it could have cost us, you know, an extra, extra two points, which we which we need. What, what what are your thoughts, Peter? I mean, we I say we've discussed Pickford in the past. Do you think he's someone who we're going to look to to ship out? I know we mentioned Chelsea the other week, etc. But do you think if finances are that we you know are the way that we think they are, is he is he an easy sale to me? I mean, for me, the answer is surely yes. I mean, if, if he commands the, the type of transfer fee that's being touted, you know, in excess of 60 million, 70 plus million, if you, if you believe what you read in the papers. Um, I mean, you think at best he'll get another season, but it, he can't have another season like the, the, the past two, really. Um, mm. You know, he's, yes, he can be sublime, but it, it's it's in fleeting moments, isn't it? It's It's a great shot stop or... A penalty save, and I think what you look from your goal, look for from your goalkeeper week in week out, is consistency and safety. You know, knowing when to come, knowing when to clear, and the amount of times he'll put the ball out of play, which you know, for me, for a Premier League footballer, is just inexcusable. You know, you you're looking for your goalkeeper, especially you, you know, um, at a team like Everton that are looking to play good football and keep the ball to be able to play the ball to a man. And the amount of times I've seen him put the ball out of play this season, I just can't get my head around it. It's like when you see um, a corner not get past the first man. You know, you go crazy at Sunday League for that happening. So, you know, he's he's got to be accountable, hasn't he? You'd, you'd, you'd think so. Um, and I think that the concern with Jordan Pickford always has been that his concentration just isn't there. So like you say, Pete, he can look great, can he? He can look sublime in certain moments, but you've always got in the back of your mind. At some point during the game, he could throw one in here, um, he could kick a ball to one of their players across the floor, which he's done a couple of times. 
you say his kicking hasn't, hasn't been great, which in his first season, it was absolutely exceptional. Those little half-volley um, kicks out of his hand and things like that. He was finding a man all the time and, and putting us on the front foot. And he just, there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said for having a real, a real strong goalkeeper. Um, and I was very much, he was my pick when we were looking for a goalkeeper. He was my pick to, to be brought in, to be honest. Um, but he just hasn't evolved and progressed in the way that we probably all thought he was going to do. What, what, what do you think, Lee? Do you, know, do, do you think he's, he's going to be on his way? The dilemma we've got here, gents, I think, is um, is selling, selling him in this window a big mistake? Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, the COVID market, as it's probably going to be known, is going to be massively, you know, it's going to be diluted, isn't it? Because it, players for who their actual market value pre-COVID would probably be, you know, in Pitford's case, maybe 10, 20 million more than what he'll go through. I mean, Pete's made the point on a previous pod, you know, regardless of how good or bad we think he is or how capable his levels of, of going to, um, you know, he's English, he's the English number one keeper. That, that carries a price. Uh, they've spent a lot of money on Kepper, hasn't really worked out for them. Um, will they go out and shed 50, 60 million on Jordan? I don't know. Um, but yeah, as we said last week, of our assets, for me, if we can get anything over 50, I'd take it in today's market. I'd take it. And if we can reinvest that back into the squad, you know, desperately into our centre midfield. Um, and obviously, as we all know, we need a right winger and things like that. So if we can reinvest it there with two players, you've got to think that's that that's business well done, isn't it? Um, and whether we then bring a keeper in on loan, maybe I don't know. Um, I think it's going to run and run, isn't it? I think this is this is one that could, you know, for however long the transfer window is open for, this is one that's going to go on and on. Um, I it may may rumble on to late on in the, in the window, but. Um, I don't know. I mean, we, we'll see. We'll see what Carlo thinks. Um, whether he wants his, his own man in goal sort of remains to be seen. But you know, that's not as well on that. You know, from the Leicester game, but it was it was certainly a key a key moment that could have gone could have gone the other way and really, and really cost us. But at the end of the day, we we, we saw the game out. We we've we've returned seven points now from our our first three games back, which is considering we played first and third in the league. Um, as well as obviously going to and beating beating Norwich as well, it's it's a good return, and that's why we can now, if we look ahead, we can now go into that Tottenham game on Monday. Um, they, you know, they're a point above us, and we're you know win that game, and we're in with a real a real chance of of uh, getting into those sort of top seven eight spaces come coming end of the season. Um, are you going there? Are you going there confident, Pete? Do you think we can go there and and get a win? I mean, there's there's no reason why not. I mean, I, I think Tottenham have really, really struggled to click, haven't they? I think both before the lockdown and especially after. I think the worry, the slight worry for me is, um, I think Deli Ali's back, isn't he? I think he's eligible to uh, to start against us. Um, so you'd expect him to come in, and he's got a great partnership with Kane. He's also got, you know, a fairly typical record against us, hasn't he? For uh, punishing us so I think that that's a slight concern and you think Spurs will probably be boosted by by having him back and Harry Kane will certainly be boosted um I think it will be a really really tight tactically difficult game um you know obviously Mourinho knows Carlo Ancelotti really well and they've faced each other a few times before 
I really hope that we can have a European push. Um, but I think the fixture congestion and having to manage the squad over the next three games is... Yeah, I don't like to say it. I think it might be a little bit too much for us. But I, I, I really hope that we can go and get points um, from the Tottenham game. What, what, what do you think, Lee? Because, you know, Tottenham are... When they click Tottenham, they're they're a really good side. They've got they've got a lot of pace. They've obviously they've got the got Harry Kane, who's who's a um, a massive leveler in, in any game. Uh, but then the last game they went to Sheffield United, who, who are particularly in great form, uh, and got turned over three one. And Mourinho questioned their attitude, questioned whether they wanted to win the game, and says, you know, we, we we've got issues if if that's how they're going to approach a game, and they don't and they don't really care. Should we be going to to Tottenham and and fearing? What they what they've got to offer. I was about to mention that result, Mike. Actually, yeah, um, Sheffield United, and that was three nil, really, wasn't it? They conceded a token goal right at the end as well, and obviously came came bagged. Um, we probably could have done without that, really, uh, in terms of Harry's sort of confidence. Um, Tottenham were a weird one for me because we were also we've said before we were neck and neck with them for ages, weren't they? And then they went on to another level, sort of the last few years. Under Pochettino, Mourinho's come in. I don't think he's done a great job, really. I mean, you have to look at their table uh, position to see that. Um, I think that, you know, speaking to some Spurs fans, they find themselves not as expansive. He's obviously done typical Mourinho, um, you know, type of sort of tactical performance with them. He's got, people are saying he's getting Son to do too much defensive work, things like that. So, We've had some really tight games with them over the years, and then we've obviously had a couple of drubbings at Goodison, if I remember rightly, where they've come to us and they've actually tore us apart. Um, and like Pete said, if Deli Ali and Kane click, they've shown in the past that they can open us up. But um, in those games, I think if we remember a game, didn't we? Under Silva, we went toe to toe with them, didn't we? Uh, I think we scored first in that game as well, and then they just literally turned it on and scored three goals in like 20, 30 minutes. Um, Calvert Lewin had a great but, goal disallowed, didn't he? That's he right, did yeah. actually, yeah, vital at that time. But I think um, the squad point that Pete raised is a massive one. And there's a reason why Carlo, out of all other managers in the league, has not been making like five subs. Because, you know, he hasn't really got that much at his disposal. Um, he really hasn't. And these congested games now over the next week are absolutely huge because he is going to have to also use his squad. And he's shown in the past few games that he's not doesn't completely trust some of the players, um, you know, to see out, you know, to put in a defensive performance maybe and, and provide that sort of discipline. So I think we'll go there, despite Spurs on the back of a three-one loss. They're going to want to, you know, respond to Mourinho's comments. That's going to be, I suppose, not in our favour, and the fact they're probably going to have a point to prove. It's going to be one of those games where I think we're not going to have much of the ball again. They're going to probably dominate most of the midfield and we're just going to have to just sit off and try and try and score on the counter. Um, the key is, well, we need Richarlison fit as well, don't we? He was back. Because, he, was, he was pictured back training today. Um, yeah, we need so, him massively, don't we? Yeah, Carlo said, Carlo said it, was, it was a knock. He didn't train Saturday, uh, Friday or Saturday, but he definitely trained today, uh, which is great news, great news for us. Um, I think... You know, we went there last season and we got a two odds or our last game of the season. Um, and we and played really well that day, actually, didn't we? Yeah, I, I, I was lucky enough to go and it was, you know, it was great to see such a fantastic stadium. And unfortunately, we're in the current situation where fans can't attend because it's such a, it's such a, a, a special ground. I think it, I think it's being done particularly well. 
Um, but you know, it's a it's a big pitch. Um, like you said, Lee, we're, we're struggling in terms of bodies, aren't we? It's good to have obviously Gary Mina's back. Obviously, came on um, briefly against Leicester. Sadibi's back fit as well, which is which is also good for ourselves. We're still missing obviously a couple of bodies in in Delft and Walcott. No idea in regards to Delft. Definitely out. Yeah, well, well, course, yeah. He, he, I saw some footage of him. I think later on this week, um, where he was doing some some finishing work. So he he can't be too far. Um, but but Delph has been told by Ancelotti to take his time to get himself fit, which is a bit of a concern. You know, I think I think Carlos Tanner just the fact that he's always injured, basically. You know, and you need to get your your fitness right and address the issues that you've got because you're no good towards. If you, if you can play 10 games a season, especially with the squad that we've got at the moment. He, he, he would have been pivotal and played a decent a decent role in these games that we've got, which we're probably not, probably might see him for the last maybe couple of games. I don't know. I'm just I'm just surmising. But we're still low on numbers. We're still seeing two goal, goalkeepers on the bench. He's Carlos sort of reluctant to, to use other youngsters. He doesn't think that they're ready just yet and won't, won't give them like a a token gesture of being on the bench. He wants players on the bench who we, who we can use. Uh, and that's where Anthony Gordon is getting the chance because he's proven it. But Tottenham, they're just so hit and miss. But I think we're going to see a reaction from Spurs. I really do. I think I think we'll see a reaction. Um, after Mourinho's comments, they're going to want to come out and put in some kind of performance because, you know, they're a point clear of us, you know, for a side like, like Spurs who over the last few years have been close to, to winning titles and, Getting Champions League and a Champions League final—that's not good enough for them. You know where we are isn't good enough. You know we changed our minds yeah, and, and addressed it. They changed their minds yeah. Um, but arguably they should be in a much better position than we are anyway. And they, they've they've flattered to deceive. I agree with that totally, mate. I honestly think you know what I don't think Kane will be there next year. You know, I genuinely don't think he'll be there. They're, they're notoriously known for not paying nowhere near the highest wages. Of obviously what you perceive to be the top six clubs, um, and Kane is you know uh, I know he's come through their system and things like that, but there's going to be a, quite a few clubs around sniffing around him. I know Real Madrid have been linked with him in the past, and they're, they're in decline now. And they they peaked last year at Champions League final, and you know Pochettino, you know famously really didn't didn't really come away with anything, and and and. I can see the likes of Kane and maybe a couple of others moving on. I don't know what you, you guys think. It's one of them is that you can, you can see the uh, the agents coming out saying Tottenham have got to match Harry Kane's ambition. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but there's yeah. a point there is that they've got to recruit, haven't they? Like you say, like if, if that squad stays the same, why would Harry Kane stay? Exactly, mate. And the centre-backs are going. I've always rated Vertonghen, Aldevirel, those boys. They'll be gone. They'll definitely be moving on. Um I've heard, you know, that, that obviously Danny Rose, there was trouble there. He's gone on. Walker Peters, who I really rate. I think he's a talent. He's obviously on loan at Thampton, played well today. Um, so, you know, they're definitely a team now that have sort of, you know, during the Pochettino era, as I said, I think they peaked last year. They probably should have won the league, really, when Leicester won it. Threw it away a little bit. Um, so it'll be an interesting game. I, I think it'll be a tight game. If you've got two... Dare I say, you know, relatively tactical, semi-pragmatic managers here now, and that, the key for me for it, we've got to stay in the game because they're going to come out of the blocks. I think after, you know, let's be honest, you know, getting almost humiliated against Sheffield United, who are nowhere near in form, and then you know we've got to make sure we stay in it, carry a threat, 
that was the only thing against Leicester. It was literally backs against the wall and we didn't really carry a threat for 30, 40 minutes, did we? Um, and that's the key for me. We've got to make sure we stay in the game early. And that's the beauty of Carlo at the minute. And, and we, we don't look like we're going to concede, do we? And we don't seem to be, you know, you know, teams aren't creating a load of chances against us. I know obviously Leicester threw a lot of balls and they had a lot of the ball, but we didn't really look like we were going to concede, did we? I think that's probably the biggest, the biggest source of uh, positive from since we've returned is that we've looked so strong defensively, and and it, you know, it doesn't surprise me. You know, we, we've we've got uh, we've got Carlo, uh, Italian manager. You know, they're renowned for, for being fairly defensive. Don't, I'm not saying by the way Carlo sets up that way, but Carlo will ensure. Um, and and David, his son, who's been working massively as well um, with the side, they will ensure that we're set up not to concede. And that's been that's been the, the best thing for me. We, we've defended really well. We've got a good partnership going with Holgate and, and Michael Keane. Luca Dean, I think, look, looks a bit more assured defensively since we've come back. I think Coleman's come back really well. And that, that that's the beauty of it. We're having we've got a, a balance and and um, basically four defenders who are now playing week in week out who have got this relationship and and that that's really good. It's just the, the concern for me now is ensuring that yeah we're going to play on the counter is making sure we keep Calvert Lewin and, and Richie Allison fit because if we don't then we're going to struggle to sort of break sides down and play that particular that particular style of football. But the, but the pitch is massive. It's big. It's it, it's big. We can use it to to our advantage, and there's no reason why we can't go there full of positivity. And I'm thinking that, that that Europe is 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 on the agenda. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I know Gomez came in for a lot of stick, didn't he, in the last game? And I didn't quite understand that really. I think the lads, you know, put it in. Let's put this into perspective. The lads come back from a really serious injury. The fact he's even playing this season is a miracle, really. And you know. It, he showed against Arsenal in that little cameo. Do you remember when he came on how good he is? And, you know, he obviously, you know, big pitch there at the Emirates as well, sprayed it around. Um, the problem is with Andre, and he, it's, it's, it's clear as day. He needs a ball winner around him, doesn't he? That's not really his game. He needs someone to do all the hunting around him and get give him the ball in space. I kind of felt sorry for him against Leicester because. You know, until he brought Davis on, we were massively outnumbered in mid in the middle of the park. And every time he got it, he was harried. Um, and he didn't, you know, have his usual sort of, you know, composure on the ball and things like that, and dictating the game. And though that's been typical of pretty much all the games we've played. The the system we have been playing has not really suited him because he hasn't really got legs around him. And we have been outnumbered in the middle of the park. So that'll be an interesting battle. Um you know, they've got the likes of Ndombele and that who's not, you know, really liked by Mourinho, is he? Um, so, um, we'll see. We'll see We'll see how it plays out. It'll be an interesting game. I think it'll be quite a tactical game. As Pete said, they've come, you know, they've locked horns quite a few times, these guys. And um, they'll probably want to try and get one over on each other. So, you know, but like you've, you've alluded to as well, Mike, if we've got any aspirations of getting a Europa League, we've got to win that game, haven't we? We've got to win that game. I mean, it's it's massively vital. We're, go, we're going to look ahead shortly. You know, we've got another couple of games coming up as well, which are also vital. And it's very much a game at a time now. But we're playing a lot of sides in and around where we are. So you, you've got to go into each game as if it's the most important game of the season. I feel the Tottenham game is our most important game of the season. If we go there and win the game, Europe's on. 
it's it's that much of a balance. If we lose the game, I think it's I think it's too much of an ask for us, you know, with five games to go to to actually grab a European spot. And that that's how much of a knife edge it's on. If we get a draw, okay, we're probably still in the mix. But we can't afford to lose that game. I think I think it's so important that we that we do go there and, and we get something from it. So um, I'll 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 jump in there with what what are your thoughts on prediction? If it comes to you first, Pete, what what do you think it's it's going to finish at uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? <laughs> I I think it's going to be a tight one-one. Um, Deli Ali and I think Calvert Lewin will finally get his uh, his post-lockdown goal for all his endeavour. Um... Lee, uh, yeah, similar to what I said before. Um, I think it'll be quite a tight game. Um, I'd like to see Calvert Lewin get a goal. Um, I don't think it'd be too dissimilar to to, to the Arsenal game. Do you remember when we went up to their place and probably should have got a result really with the way we played. Um, so yeah, so I, as much as I'd love to see us win it, I do think like Pete, it'll be a score draw and it'll probably will be uh, one all. So I'm going to say one all as well. I'm going to. I was I was going to sort of say one all, but I, I can see I can see a nil nil. To be, to be honest, I can see a draw. Really, can it could be a, a really like you said a really tight game. Maybe a few chances. Um, I think for us, a lot depends on how we've recovered. We've had you know we we, we played on uh, on Wednesday. Um, Tottenham played the day after, so we've had we've had one day more. But then obviously we've had to travel travel down to to London for the game. Um, so I think I think nil nil, yeah, I do. I think we'll come away with something which is good, you know, it keeps us in the mix. Uh, and and looking forward to again, it, it's busy. We've got we've got um, three games in six days, and we've got we've got Southampton coming up on Thursday before we travel to to Wolves for a midday kickoff on on Sunday. And just want to sort of touch on those two um, because, like I said, the these sides that were playing Southampton have got a great result against Man City. One um, nil, good win for them there. You know that, that they're not too far from where we are. You've got Wolves who slipped up this weekend against Arsenal, which was a bit of a surprise. But when we're playing sides around us, like I've said before, we, we we've got to go to Molyneux. Obviously, that's Southampton are coming to Goodison. We've got to go into them those two games. And for me, if we drop points at Tottenham, whether it you know if it is a draw. We've got to win both those both those two games. I think to have a chance of of sneaking in into a European qualification piece. Definitely, and I, I think it's so. I think that's what makes it so hard to predict how those next two games will go. Because I think the way the team will be feeling in terms of mentality will be completely dependent on not only what happens at Spurs, but also how the teams around us get on as well. Um, you know whether we go there feeling positive and lifted and. You know, still full of momentum, or you know whether it's it's too big too big of a task, and players put the flip flops on. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we we have a, a sort of a stale rest of the season. So yeah, I'm I'm really hoping that you know we do get something from the Spurs game. And um, we were saying before we started recording, weren't we, about Southampton have got that positive result, but what will it be taken out of them? Um, you know, to defend against Man City for you know. Pretty much nearly all of the game, um, backs against the wall. So yeah, it's great they got the points, but hopefully that might go in our favour uh, when we go up against them. What do you think, Lee? With the, with those two games, um, I mean, I've just I've just seen as well. Obviously, Arsenal are also in the mix. They got that good win against Wolves over the weekend, which was big for them and and Mikel Arteta. They're five points clear of us, 
But they've got their, their next four games are, are absolutely frightening, to be honest with you. They've got Leicester, Tottenham, um, Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal. So even though Arsenal got this little bit of a, a five five point cushion in seven seven place, they're not uncatchable as long as we keep on picking up points and, and the two games after Spurs are vital to to that and, and us getting European football. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Arsenal had a very, very good win against Wolves away there. I don't think many people would have expected that at all because Wolves have started, obviously, post-lockdown very strong. Um, arguably, it's probably going to go to eight for Europa League. I'm just looking at the table now. We're on 44. Southampton with that win are now point behind us, which is crazy because they were pretty much relegation trouble not long ago. Um, Newcastle are point behind us. Spurs are a point ahead of us. Burnley are two points ahead of us. I can't believe that because uh, they've been absolutely awful this season. Probably only scored about four goals. <laughs> um, and then Sheffield United, who were tumbling a little bit, obviously, had, uh, as we discussed, then had a really good, really good win uh, in the week. So, yeah, it's really bunching up there now. And, 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 you know, if we win the next two, that takes us on to 50. That puts us in a really strong position um, going into the, into the Wolves game. But, it's a big ask to win those two games. I just feel a lot more confident if we just had a bit more bodies, that's all. And that's my only worry, is that are we going to run out of legs? And, and that, that, that's, you know, our, our first 11 will probably give anyone a game. Um, it's just, you know, what are we bringing off the bench? Um, you know, that's really going to cause a threat. Um, so, well, you know, only time will tell. We'll see how, it, see, how it, see how it plays, but we might sneak into potentially the top eight. Um you say Arsenal have got a difficult run. They have got a, a tricky run, but I think Arteta's Arsenal are a different early doors anyway, are a different sort of breed. I know they lost to Brighton in that controversial game, but they've really responded well since then. And, you know, Mikel's sort of Arsenal compared to Arsenal of previous, you know, they're a lot more sort of tactically astute. They seem a lot more sort of sturdy at the back when David Luiz isn't playing. Um, and... Um, it just seems to be a different outfit for me. You know, everyone would, you know, Arsenal's identity over the years has always been great going forward, but absolutely dire and really sort of weak, weak, both physically and, and mentally at the back. But I think that's slowly turning there. But um, we'll need a good set of results over the next few games to, to really sort of see what our destiny is, I think. Like you touched on then, I think, I think with us, because of the, the, the small sort of squad size and, and lack of depth with injuries and, and what have you, um, it's it's how we recover from game to game. You know, tough trip down to down to Spurs, back up here for Southampton three days later, and obviously then we've then got another three days before we then head head to Molineux and, and and play Wolves. And it's I mean, no no game is easy anyway. But I think recovery time it's it's, it's vital in this situation when you've got so many games and we've come back and having to play so many games in quite a, quite um, a short period of time anyway. But I think you know you lose so early on about you know whether Carlo actually trusts certain players. Um, you know he, he seems to be using the same bunch of say fourteen or fifteen. We're not making five six uh, five changes a game. Sorry, um, and it's you know can we can we really sort of cycle players in and out in, in these games? You might see the odd change, but that's the difficulty of having you know. The, uh, depth in the in the squad, and it's how we how we recover from game to game, and hopefully, you know, we don't know 
there could be knocks along the way, little injuries, which which could curtail any any sort of uh, plans we have as well going into obviously other games. But it'll be nice, you know, after bringing Carlo in. Um, for Carlo to, to totally turn the season round, I know obviously Big Dunk did really well as well. But for Carlo to come in, get us in, into Europe because I think it's vital for a club of our size to be playing European football. Um, it's another string to Arbo attacking players. We've already seen, you know, Carlo the name of, of Ancelotti will attack players anyway. Um, and it's it's just I think it's so important if we can get European football, it's probably ahead of where the board thought we would be after bringing Carlo in. I don't think really they saw us being you know, in the mix at this stage of the season. Um, but I think I if think, you want to... I think we're fourth, aren't we, Mike? Aren't we fourth in the, since the 12 games he's well, the 12 yeah. games he's had? Yeah. Which is exceptional, really, isn't it? You know, for, yeah, for that's in what the it is. It is. You know, for, in, to be fourth. And looking at, looking at the, you know, the Newcastle game, which we threw away as well. Being tuned up with about three seconds to go, and we and we lost uh, lost two points there. There's been a couple of little hiccups along the way, so we could have been even even higher still. So what you know, it's, it's a great turnaround compared to where we were when when Marco Silva left and, and Big Dunk took took over, um, and and was in interim charge. But just before we we sort of move move forward, just mentioning obviously the the name of Carlo and and the fact that he. He had sax players. We actually brought a, a young lad through uh, into the side this week. Um, we he was leaving Marseille. Um, now let me just see if I can get his name right and pronounce his name correctly. Um, first of all, I'll wait. I'll wait, I'll I'll wait for this. I'm, I'm normally good with my pronunciation. When we had Aaron on, uh, my Portuguese was absolutely exceptional. He said he he, he said <laughs> how how I'm not a translator. Um, he doesn't know, so you know that's something to look forward to in the future, maybe. But uh, the Ob- kid's name Obrigado. is Niels Nkunku um, from Marseille. So he's a big, athletic kid. Uh, he's a left back. So we're, we're looking. Uh, he's he's a fr- he's a French under nineteen international. Um, he was he was touted by other clubs. Juventus were were sniffing around. Uh, Leipzig were, were sniffing around. Well, very much a case of he obviously wants to work with Carlo Ancelotti, which is which is great. Again, it bodes well. In on a free and someone who we're looking at loaning next season because then the season after we want him to be in and around the squad, which fits in with maybe Leighton Baines signing his year, uh, year contract, and then obviously him filling Leighton Baines' shoes or boots in the squad the, the season after. So quite, I think quite an exciting uh, signing to, to be brought in so early. It's looked like he'll be in the uh, the under twenty threes, Mike. Yeah. So, but but then the, the thing, the, 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 they're really keen and and rightly so to, to to give these young lads who they think can make it league experience with you know championship or league one sides. You know, Brantwaite's another one who's who's been in and around the squad. They, they want to get out on low. He signed an extension to his deal as well. So they want to get these players' experience playing league football because they want to get them ready and primed for the first team squad. That's what we fell down in the past, isn't it? How many players have we had who we thought, right, he could maybe do a job, but he needs to go out on loan and he haven't. He sat there. You know, Morgan Feeney's probably the prime example who went to Tramier. Hadn't really, hadn't been loaned anywhere. Went to Tramier, got injured. It's now been released by Everton. You know, those kind of players who didn't get that exposure to league football, it's so important isn't it, for these young players to go and play football uh, with you know fully grown men and learn the trade. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I'd rather them go out on loan than play for the 23s. Um, I mean, the French market, you know, we've, we've had um, Andy on in the past. The French market is a real popular market at the minute, isn't it? Um, particularly sort of, you know, not just at you know, Ligue 1, but the, 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 the sort of lower leagues in French football. They seem to produce a lot of, like you've just said there about this lad, you know, fast, athletic, powerful players. And that's the way football's going now, isn't it? A lot of counter-attack football. Um, and they're all, you know, normally technically very good as well. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. It, it seems to tell me that they're pretty confident that Leighton, they seem to think Leighton will sign his contract. Um, so they've got obviously Luca Dean and him as the sort of the top two next season. Um, which, you know, as we discussed in the last pod, we all hope he does. And then, um, you know, it's a shrewd signing, isn't it? You know, it, it screams Marcel Brands, obviously, you know, keeping an eye on the breadth of the market and try and bring in these sort of deals, you know, where, we're, you know, we're getting them on a free. Um, so let, let's let's see how that works out. Um, but it's good to see, you know, a new face coming into the club. Um, you know, and, and let's hope we, uh, we can get a few more, hopefully early in the window this time, isn't it? I think we'll all agree with that and not try and leave it until sort of late in the day. Um, with regards to new signings, but but a young life go the other way, haven't we? Um, Fraser Hornby's gone to uh, is it um, Remy? Where's he gone? I think he's he's, he's gone to a French team, hasn't he? Yeah, is that, how you, is that how you pronounce it, Remy? You're just trying to get me to say it, aren't you? No, <laughs> oh, come on, come on, get the, get the pronunciation. Oh, Rem, Rem. 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 Oh, Mike, is, is, it, is it lit or laugh? Is it feminine? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, is it? Look at Mike frantically googling it. No, 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 no. It's it's Stad de Rem. So Stad's got an E on. So I'm going to say it's feminine. But listen, someone correct me if you want. But I'm the uh, I'm the translation expert here. So all all hey, major European languages in France. That's feminine. That's laugh. <laughs> <That's gender. laughs> We're going down the different territory. This is this is some educational only lesson. You know what a custard is in French. It's, it's a Lee Mac joke, isn't it? Because it's not feminine, is it? It's an egg custard. <laughs> listen, I'm I'm sure our listeners haven't haven't tuned in for a a lesson in French. But listen, you get all sorts on this on this on this podcast. We like to, oh, we, we we aim to we aim to please. But um, yeah, so another another move, another move out. So. We've got an undisclosed fee. It won't be obviously huge, but it's another one off the wages. A little bit of money coming in. It's reducing that squad size, squad size again and getting rid of, I hate the expression, dead wood, but unfortunately, if the kid's not going to make it for us, that's, yeah, it's a shame about that's him. how it he, is. He's a talent. He, he, he was a talent, wasn't he, the young lad? And didn't quite... Just shows you the jump from that level to the Premier League. It's massive, isn't it? And we obviously don't think, unfortunately, he's got what it takes. Um... So good luck to him. I hope it works out for him. Um, big move to go to French football. Um, let's hope it works out for him. Um, you know, as well as probably a few other youngsters that are probably going to be going, like you said, like Morgan Feeney and people like that. Yeah, I so think Feeney's gone. Hasn't he? There's been a we've released a, a few kids which we touched on with uh, with Callum last week. You know, there's quite a few of the younger players that we were in and around have have, have gone. Um, and obviously the, the the kid coming in from Marseille is yeah he's one for the future but he the, we seem fairly keen on on getting him transitioned from your your sort of League One Championship football to the Premier League within about twelve months so it'll be exciting to see his development so it's definitely one to to keep an eye on and it was like you say Lee it was quite a shrewd move in the in the current market um, 
but it wasn't, you know. So what's the sorry, man? What's the latest with Gabrielle, mate? Uh, I've heard rumours that we, we seem to be favourites one minute and then next minute we're kind of like, no, we're not in the running. I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone knows. I mean, you, you read one thing and like you say, it's oh, uh, Everton seems to be the favourite destination. Uh, then next minute it's always oh, going to Napoli. Napoli are apparently signing him and another player uh, from Lille. So I, I fully expect. I think he'll go to to Napoli. There's, there's been murmurings um, of us of us be looking at other other centre halves. Uh, is it Huyberg at um, Southampton left out of the squad again tonight? Uh, rumours of an ankle injury, but make of that what you will. He's been quite heavily heavily linked. Um, I think I there's think also rumours that he said he wants to play for a Champions League club as well. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. So believe believe what you want to believe, but. It's it's silly season, isn't it? It's always always the same. But we what we do know is Gabriel has agreed personal terms with Everton, and he has done a medical as of February, um, and it was all plain sailing, I think, for him to to come to the Blues. But obviously, the the, the current pandemic put pay to that, and, and it's affected things quite quite substantially. Um, obviously, Napoli, the rumours of Koulibaly is on his way for for big money. So if they get money in for Koulibaly, they can then afford to pay more than what what we can pay for. For, for Gabriel, but we, we'll wait and see. You know, as I say, it's we we, we don't know. We hear different things on a daily basis about about Gabriel. So I love him to come in. He, he's he's definitely for you know being number one target for for the club. Um, it'd be great to have someone like like him come in. Uh, but we might have had to change our our sort of structure for the for the transfer window because of the the current health situation. But we we we'll, we'll wait and see. Um. I'd love, by the way, on that note, I'd love us to get him. Um, you know, the clips I've seen of him, and obviously yeah, I, I, I watched him play uh, not long ago. Either it's a very dominant centre half, isn't he? Very dominant, powerful, quick, good age. Uh, obviously Brazilian as well, so you know adds the sort of South American sort of contingency we got going on. I'd love it if we get get him through through the door. To be honest, um, particularly around that sort of cost, he, he strikes me as that sort of guy that's twenty million now. But could go on to be, you know, after his next move, possibly worth three times that. Do you know what I mean? Strikes is that sort of player. He's twenty-two years of age as well, which is nothing. You know, it's 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 young, but he's experienced. Obviously, played Champions League football as well. Um, so we it'd be great. But I think probably attention, focus, and priority is is more the centre of the park uh, and centre mid because that's that's one area which we really need to to address. Um, but you know we're in we're in safe hands, and I'm sure I'm sure we'll we'll get it right. Um, but to, to to wrap things up, and this this is I this has been a real excitement, I think, for a lot of Everton fans, and and for me, I I I love new kits anyway, and what have you. But this week we got our our first look at uh, Hummel's first effort with uh, with the link up with with the club. Uh, the home kit has has been released, and obviously it's available for, for, for pre-order. It's broken all records. Um, and for me, if you're looking for, for perfection in a shirt, I think we found it with with Hummel's first Everton home kit. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I think it's absolutely sensational. Smart, isn't it? It's nice. It's nice. It, it, I wouldn't call it retro, but it's it's got a classic feel, isn't it? It's um, it's clean. It's it's got that uh, it's it's got the Z card soundbar as well in the fabric piece. You, you you can't you can't not say that that hasn't been well well thought through because initially I I I missed it and I'm thinking what's I can't see it and then they they brought out an image I think it was yesterday zoomed in and you can see the soundbar which is basically the Z card soundbar now listen 
that's it's little touches like that. I love the chevrons anyway, but to have, have a little thing like that, I can't wait to get it on. Mate, mate, you've done it. You've done about fifteen designs yourself. I'm surprised Hummel haven't signed you up, son. Um, I don't know. I've seen some of my designs. That's why he haven't signed me up. <laughs> uh, lo- loves the chevron, this lad. Loves the chevron. Um, no, but generally, yeah, I think you know they've done a good job, haven't they? They have done a good job. Um, the only thing, if you're going to be super critical, I would like to have maybe slightly different colour, but that's it really. And the rest of it looks really good. Like Pete said, really clean, really sharp. They'll probably express their creativity more with the sort of away kit and third kit. I really like some of the training gear as well. Some of the yeah, training gear is really good. Like the, yeah. the dark navy top's really good, isn't it? Um, and, and the trackies and the shorts and stuff. So, yeah, you've got to give them credit. Um, it just makes the you know, I know we've been with Umbro for a while. It looks a bit of an upgrade, doesn't it? It looks a bit of an upgrade. It just looks different. Umbro felt I felt was a bit stale, really. Um, um, so yeah, so. Uh, the reaction has been massively positive, and that's what you want, isn't it? It just adds to the feel-good factor. I, th- I mean, from from my point of view, we talk about the team and stuff. Um, I think now I know obviously I've, I've waxed lyrical over the actual home share because I think it's I think it's an exceptional home shirt. I think they've done really well, like you say, it's clean, it's a crisp design, um, and obviously with with, with home shirts anyway. For, for the majority of clubs, I think you're limited, aren't you? Because you can't do anything too radical with an Everton home shirt. But I think what they have done, it looks very, very good. I think they've done, done a really good job. Um, but the training stuff, I think, is next level. You look, you look at, I like the Umbro stuff from, from this season, the, um, the blue, the, the royal blue one uh, with, the, with the quarter zip on, matching shirt. I liked, I liked all that stuff. The issue with, with that we've had with Umbro, I think, especially, has been the quality. Um, how many people have you seen where they've got the badges coming off? You, you've seen most Kings being knocking around in a in a training top where it's got half a badge on on uh, since we since we've come back come back into training. So it shows you the quality. It's not designed for being washed, which unfortunately is a bit of a disaster when you know a lot of people like to knock around in in training stuff um, all the time. But the training stuff from Hummel, obviously, we'll we'll await the quality. But I think it looks it looks brilliant, and also they've announced that some of the the shorts will have zips on, which is music to to many Everton fans ears because they love a zip on a uh, on the pockets <laughs> in the shorts. <laughs> so have so read. Hey, definitely getting the ones with the zips on. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, uh, okay, when, okay, when you go abroad. <laughs> In case you get pickpockets on the last ramblers, is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Just yeah, get the zip up. <laughs> Uh, no, but I think yeah, they've done a good job. And then, I do. Do we know when they're releasing the away kit? Do we Not know that? yet. Be... Someone, someone uh, tweeted them when we, when the home kit was launched on the same day. So right, we've seen that now. When 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 is the away kit? And they said, you know, t- t- today's for the home share kind of thing. I don't think it'll be too long. Um, uh, you know, within the next couple of weeks, we'll probably they probably start to sell the home share so middle of July uh, when that one's out. And then obviously we'll then start to see the 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 away shirt, which which will be exciting. But we've still got to await the sleeve sponsor, haven't we? Because before people can actually have and wear the home shirt, you would expect an announcement of the sleeve sponsor because it's going to have to be on the shirt. So I'd expect this coming week, I would expect an announcement when it comes to the sleeve sponsor as well. But hopefully it's something clean and not like Angry Birds. Well, I've got I've got an exclusive announcement made. The, the, the actual sleeve sponsor is going to be the, what I'm about to tuck into here, son. Pete, Pete will love this. Can you see Book that on the camera? Eyes, exactly. 
No, no, mate. You know what it is, Pete. <laughs> Do you know, funny <laughs> enough, and, and for, for those listening, for those who can't see it, because obviously it's pointless on the podcast, <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, a Daphne's Cheesecake Factory on Smithdown Road. So they're going to be our sleeve sponsor going forward. <laughs> I, I went there today. I, I said, I said, <laughs> I said to me, mum and dad, I'll, I'll dive in. And I'll on the way around because obviously we were allowed in, in the house for the first time in, in three and a half, four months, which was which was exceptional today. But I said, I get us a cheesecake from Daphne's, you know, the, the best cheesecake shop in the world there. And then went down and it was and it was sudden closed. But uh, I'm all for if Daphne wants to wants to get on the sleeve, I'm all for that. <laughs> uh, I think I think it'll look absolutely exceptional. Uh, alongside, not, not, alongside, not quite the same cash flow as Megaphone, but it's getting it's, there. But well, listen, if, if we can start selling some of Daphne's in at Goodison, I'm I'm all for it. A cheesecake before the game with a, a nice a nice latte would uh, would go down the street. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get in touch, mate, and then they're going to be our sponsor for the show going forward. So you get free cheesecake all all season. I don't mind the negotiations there. Pete, Pete loves a sponsorship deal, as we know. You know, uh, he doesn't doesn't mind a bit of it. Dick and Baby Weiss was his last one he was going for. But listen, we'll have have Daphne's. No, no problem at all. Oh, Pete, Pete absolutely loves Daphne's, don't you, son? Hey, we'll tell you what we can get. Exactly, and Pete's favourite flavour as well. Pete, what's that, son? Sticky toffee. Toffee. We do like a bit of sticky toffee. Everything. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. It's it's definitely it's definitely you know a deal which is worth making to be honest. And uh, I don't mind. I say I don't mind getting down there and, and trying to strike a bit of a deal with them. Um, so this this time this time next week it'll be the Unorthodox Podcast brought to you in association with Daphne's Cheesecake Factory. So that you just got a ring to it. Got a ring to that. It, it rolls off the, off the tongue, doesn't it? Rolls off the tongue. Um, but no, just jumping back to Hummel, Hummel briefly. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the away shirt. I think we're going to see a bit more of a creative license on the fair kit. You've seen some of Hummel's designs for other um, teams over the years. They go a little bit crazy, so I'm, I'm quite looking forward to that. And I'm sure that the fair kit will definitely wind up. Say a lot of people um, who sit in certain areas of Goodison Park when they when they start to see some some mad colours, because I think it's going to be totally totally different. Hoping for amber. Amber and blue away. Uh, if not, I'd be, I'd be quite happy to have the, the salmon, pink, and, and blue number. Um, but I think the fake th- th- is going to be something absolutely exceptional. And I'll buy the fake I've already spent two hundred pound online <laughs> with everything in the last last twenty four months. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just can't help myself, can I? I'm meant to be. I'm meant to be getting the uh, the lounge done. Put that back by a month to buy. You're on the verge of divorce here, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> to buy Hummel gear. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's def- it's definitely exciting. Like you say. I think the way they've interacted with the fans has been really good as well. You know, every, you know, people are asking them on a daily basis. Uh, they've become the uh, the new Dan Mice Hummel, where they they're getting they're getting their heads pecked every day about Everton share designs. But they've been really good when the share came out. They were they were replying to people all the time, interacting, and and you like to see all that kind of stuff. I think it's it's really important that we we have that kind of relationship between the fans and between the the kit manufacturer because it bodes well and they've also said they are open to in future years because obviously it was secretive this year because people didn't know that we'd signed a deal with them in future years fans having their say on the kit and maybe designing things which is which is really good you know um, and I look forward to seeing what, they, what they've got in store going forward I really do and if you want to come on the show as well I get that we get that on the show might, might go for a, fa- a factory tour you can do Daphne's one day 
and do Hummel the day after. <laughs> I'll tell you what was a lovely touch as well, which I really like. I like the, the fact they brought um, Tommy Gravin to do the voiceover as well. Oh, How yeah. good is that? As, as, soon as, as soon as you heard those dulcet tones in the first five seconds, you knew exactly who it was. You knew exactly who they got in there. And I thought, I thought yeah, absolutely brilliant. He was loved, loved by, by many Everton fans. He was a bit of a lunatic, wasn't he? But someone who, who still got a close connection um, with the club and, and someone, I think, who, who holds the club in high regard as well. He, he, on his interview on the Everton website, he, he called, you know, he refers to as his, as his club. And, and it, it's great to see that. And it, it's, a good, it's a good link, it really is, you know. Um, so maybe next season, if we're back, in, back at Goodison Park, we, we might see Thomas knocking around the ground um, and doing a bit of a stint in the lounges and, and so on. And we can, we can have, a, have a quick chat with them. But no, really good. Really well done. Good, good launch. And let's hope we, we have another, another good launch for the away and the, uh, and the third kit as well. But um, lads, we'll, we'll call, call an end to proceedings there. Another enjoyable show. Good to catch up on a, on a busy week uh, at Goodison Park and, and with Everton. And we, we'll be back next Sunday, next weekend, after the Wolves game. And we, we'll look back at what's, what's going to be another, another busy week in the life of Everton Football Club. So we'll catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.